Good evening, everybody. Welcome to a late night edition of The Deed Selling Mind. I'm your host, Jason, checking back in. Uh, Tonight, we're going to talk about the second debate uh, between President Trump and Vice President Biden. Luckily, we survived the uh, debate season. Uh, Only three of them this year, two presidential and one vice presidential. Uh, So we got through that hurdle, and... uh, I gotta say that uh, tonight was a little more adult, so I guess that was nice. There wasn't as much interruption, and uh, one of the candidates decided to behave, like I said, like an adult. So um, that's good to see, um, and so we were able to get a little bit more substance out of them. But I, I think overall, the second debate didn't really. You know, it didn't really change too many people's minds, I don't think. And there wasn't too terribly much of new information that was brought out that would give insight into how each candidate's going to better confront any issue that we have now or in the future. Um, But let's kind of dive into uh, this debate and kind of hit up some of the topics that they talked about uh, the first one that I have here is uh, the COVID response. Um, once again, and this is what I kind of noticed about the whole uh, um, debate t- tonight, and that was the, o- the overarching theme was that when it came to Trump, his he and his team could do no wrong. Um, that was the overall narrative coming from the Republican side. Trump and Republicans could do no wrong. Democrats could do no right. And then the Biden narrative was, uh, we all could do a little bit better, and we need to keep working on doing better. And Republicans have messed up just as much as Democrats have. That, that, that's kind of my overall takeaway on it. Um, so that kind of plays into the COVID response that we see. Uh, Trump tried to take credit that... Uh, um, he was able to uh, basically uh, handle it because he did the the shutdown right away. But as Biden pointed out, and as we all know, he had waited months to do that to the point where in January he knew about its severity, he knew about its airborne capabilities. He knew all this stuff, yet he continued to lie to the American people and cover things up because he didn't think we could handle it. As a result, it spread. Um, And instead of saying, yeah, we should have acted sooner or we should have just made precautionary implementations, he instead blamed China for everything and saying they're the ones who gave it to us, implying that, that, that that's what happened. Um, Now... If we all know from what we've been from from what we've been seeing in the, in the news and reading about, um, when it first came out and when they first started seeing cases in December, in China, by that time it's too late. The way that global travel works, by the time that they that it was discovered in China with the first few cases, it's already too late. The cat's already out of the bag. It's just a matter of time before it spreads. 
And at that point, you're, you're trying to contain, contain, contain. So for them to be responsible for it, I think that's kind of an unfair thing to state because by the time they were made aware of it, the cat was already out of the bag. Don't look at me like that. That's my cat looking at me. Um, but at this point, at that, at that point, you know, it's already out. And the best you can do is contain it and make sure it doesn't just explode out of there. Um, and that kind of devolved into the whole thing of uh, uh, Trump complaining that uh, Biden called him xenophobic for his his uh, travel ban on China. And yes, it is, because he put it only on China. And as so many people have already mentioned, it was coming from pretty much everywhere. You know, it was... Uh, on the East Coast, it came in from Europe. On the West Coast, yeah, it did come in from China. But the other thing of it is, too, is it came in from U.S. nationals. These were U.S. citizens. So under his plan, yeah, he banned travel from China first, and then later on down the road, he started banning it basically you know, from Europe and, and globally. But by then, it was too late. you know. And that's what people are complaining about. It's like, you're only picking on China, but people are flying to other countries, and then coming to the United States. So you might as well do the full travel ban so that it doesn't get in through the back door, so to speak. But that's what happened. And even then, he was still trying to make concessions with uh, American citizens to let them back in the country. And that's actually how it came into the West Coast. It was an American who came back because he works in China and does a lot of work over there. Uh, he doesn't work in China, but he works here. But he a lot of his, his travel takes him over to China for work. And he brought it back, and that's how it kind of exploded up and down the West Coast. So, you know, it was it was xenophobic because he, he particularly targeted China and didn't think about just doing a complete travel ban to make sure everybody couldn't just come in from other places. And then even then, put up a quarantine, put up like a two or three week... Uh, um, set up where you got to quarantine yourself and then go from there. He, he, did a, he didn't do any kind of a lockdown or shutdown. He just kind of said, oh, well, it's going to be gone by uh, Easter. It's going to be gone by summer. He kept, you know, kicking the can down the road. And it was, pri- I think it was actually primarily the states that were saying, hey, we got to do this. And that's what spurned him from there. So he, he didn't do it of his own will. He started doing this stuff because he was feeling pressure from from outside, from other other people. So, and then he went on to talk about too how, um, under his plan, the any spikes and surges are going to be gone or will be gone shortly. He went on and toted his whole uh, therapeutic drug thing that some call it a cure. No, it's not a cure. Um, and basically doing an infomercial for that, basically. Um, and he also talked a little bit about, uh, how a vaccine's coming soon, and he thinks in weeks. And the thing that really caught my eye, though, was, uh, he thought his reaction to this whole thing was, quote-unquote, more realistic than the experts. So, and this is kind of like a reoccurring theme, and it goes back to why Trump cannot take any kind of blame and accept any kind of fault in this. You know, that that's just... 
that's that's who he is. He cannot accept any blame for anything. He has to always project it onto other people or other groups, what have you. Um, and then Biden, he kind of came back with a couple shots at him, you know. Uh, like I said, how he only focused on China and he didn't really focus on Europe or anywhere else until later on. And then finally got around to it. Um, he did talk about how he wants to increase funding for people, you know, better standards for uh, opening back up the schools or restaurants or other places where there could be uh, packed people in there. Have better procedures for uh, for reopening and cre- create a better supply line for um, for supplies to help combat coronavirus. So... You know, it's one of those things where he kind of gave a couple bolted points and didn't really discuss too much detail as to what we can do to, uh, you know, get this going even better. Um, Now, Trump did mention, and I think Biden mentioned it too, that Europe is seeing an uptick in their cases. But what's not being said right now, or at least in this debate, is that that is part of the predicted second wave that the uh, the scientists and the experts were, were saying months ago. It's hitting Europe already. We're still in our first wave. And we're not, I think, anywhere near being ready for the second wave. So, yeah, Europe's seen an uptick in coronavirus cases and deaths, but because they're on to their second wave already, we're still, we're still in the kiddie pool trying to deal with the first wave. So... You know, we can't be pointing the fingers at Europe when we're behind the eight ball just of, just as much, if not more so, than they are. Um, the other thing that I, I, I know that they weren't going to bring it up, but I really wish somebody or, or they somehow would have gotten it on the air, but nothing was said about how the U.S. was being accused of conducting piracy when it comes to uh, stealing other countries' uh, um, coronavirus supplies. Um Germany and a bunch of other countries have come out and condemned the United States for going around and stealing supplies and redirecting it back to the United States shores, upwards to about 800,000 units or products. Um, And that can date back to April, and I found some articles from the BBC, The Guardian, and Reuters from April where they are accusing the United States of piracy. Um, And basically just overall international bullying to get some more of these supplies. Uh, Now I wish, and this is what I don't like about the debate system, because it's the the debate or the election council, whatever you want to call it, that comes up with these debates, they're both funded and, and supported by both political parties and their donors. So these corporate donors and these two political parties that are bitches to uh, corporate donations, they're not going to sit there and, and rat on themselves. You know, they're not going to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's reports that we've been uh, stealing other people's uh, supplies and redirecting them back to the United States. So I wish we kind of found a way to, you know, insert that into the uh, debate and see what they would say. Um but that's not part of the, the the talking points that either party wants to accept. So, you know, we're not going to hear anything about that. Um, 
they moved on. And these are kind of out of order, too. I, I, did, I didn't put them in the order from which they, they talked about them. But uh, the next topic they moved on to was uh, kind of a mixture between uh, the elections and the foreign policy. Um, and it kind of started off with the moderate, moderator making the suggestion or making the statement that uh, Russia and Iran are meddling in our elections and kind of inquire as to what the candidates are going to do. Um, and Biden repeated the imperialist narrative of, you know, well, we're going we're gonna to go after anyone who tries to uh, meddle in our sovereignty. Um, however, nothing is really mentioned about the United States doing that to other countries. Um, earlier in 2020, the United States dropped off troops in the uh, small African country of Gabon. And a f- couple days later, there was a coup attempt in the country. Huh. I wonder who could have done that. Not a coincidence that our troops just happened to show up and a coup happened. And they were claiming that they were trying to watch the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo to make sure that they had clean and fair elections. Yeah, sure. Nothing is said about uh, our coup attempt in Venezuela. The United States tried to overthrow the Maduro government and put in their little puppet who would sit there and basically... uh, um, sell off all of their natural resources to American and European uh, corporations and then just you know bleed and rape the uh, country dry of all of its resources and the, the people along with it you know but nothing said about that or the uh, or the illegal uh, blockade or sanctions that we put on the country because we don't like that they're not bending over to American hegemony so why you know why should you know, why should we uh, rattle our sabers whenever somebody attempts to meddle in our elections when we do it in theirs? Same thing happened in uh, Bolivia. Um, there was a coup that uh, a U.S. backed coup that ousted uh, Evo Morales, and they put in a right wing, I'm going to call neo fascist bitch into the uh, the presidency there in Bolivia. Luckily, here recently they had an election and uh, Morales's party was able to regain control and and. Uh, win the election and put their their dude uh, back in there. It's not Morales, but it's uh, somebody who worked in his administration. They're able to take their country back and prevent the United States from uh, having their little puppet, you know, pulling the strings and doing the same thing that they're trying to do in Venezuela. What about Syria? I mean, we're still meddling over there. What about all these other places around the world, both past and present, that we've gone into and meddled in whether or not it deals with their election or not. And then we want to complain when other countries do it to us. I mean, we did it to Russia back in the 90s. We went in there and meddled in their election. How dare they meddle in ours now? Hell, back a, a century ago, following the, the Russian, or during the Russian Civil War, we were try, the United States invaded Russia, trying to put the Tsar back in. But... How dare they try return the favor to us? We're just reaping what we sow, you know. It's can't dish it out, then don't. If you can't take it, then don't dish it out. Um, but nothing was said about that. Um, and it basically went on from there that uh, you know Trump was talking about how he doesn't take special interest money, but 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 uh, Biden took three point five million from Russia. So I don't, I don't even know where that's coming from. That's, that's like the first time I've heard this. Um, 
Although, if I recall, it was uh, um, Adelson was planning on donating, uh, was it like $75 million to the Trump campaign because he's been floundering so far in the polls. Um, so I don't know if he accepted that money, but I do know that some of the uh, conservative pro-Republican uh, uh, special interest donors, they're trying to push some money into Trump's pocket so he can keep this thing afloat, but... Nothing was said about that. I wish that I wish that uh, either the moderator or, or Joe Biden would have been like, uh, "Hey, what about uh, you know your special interests that are paying you?" You know, um, but Trump decided to say that he's uh, he doesn't take special interest money. Um, he also uh, repeated that he was under a witch hunt and that the the Democrats and the FBI were spying on him and his campaign and. And well into his presidency, and this whole thing, this Mueller report was a, you know, it was a witch hunt, and they found nothing, no evidence. Uh, no, that's incorrect, according to the Mueller report, as well as Mueller's statement that he did live on TV. He didn't say there's no evidence. He said there's insufficient evidence, which means their investigation didn't make the grade to pass to say that there's sufficient evidence, and we can say that he did this. So basically, they just got a D. So that doesn't mean they didn't know the material. It just means they didn't know enough of the material. And he also went in there and said, hey, you know, um, there is insufficient evidence to link Trump to Russia. They did say that there was uh, evidence, insufficient evidence, when it came to uh, other people in the Trump campaign that were dealing with Russia. But they couldn't, they couldn't connect Trump to Russia. They didn't have sufficient evidence. And they also mentioned, too, Mueller also mentioned, too, is in the report, he said that the reason why they think that they could not find sufficient evidence is because Trump and his administration were uh, obstructing the justice system. That's an impeachable offense. And he even said it, too, you know. Obstruction of justice is an impeachable offense, but that is something that the House has to do. He can't do it. He cannot do it himself. That's a role that's first done by the House. He's only there to report what he finds, and from there it's the House's job to uh, take the appropriate actions. And they didn't do it. Nancy Pelosi didn't do it. So, you know, Trump can't sit there and bitch too much. Besides... If you're suspected of doing something, that's what an investigation is there for, is to prove or disprove that there's something there. So the fact that he was being investigated means that there was suspicion and that they need to find out the truth. In this case, they couldn't establish it because they, they, they found insufficient evidence. So they cannot prove either. You know, they cannot prove that he did it, but the same token, they, they couldn't say he didn't do it either. So it's kind of one of those in-between things. Um, and from there, you know, the election thing, the whole election topic kind of went from there into, um, um, Trump's taxes, you know, still refusing to show his taxes, saying they're still under audit by the, uh, the IRS. It's not, it doesn't take four years to go through an audit of your taxes, Trump. Quit being a dick, you know, show your taxes 
or I, I, I kind of wish that the IRS would just go and take them and, and release them. Although I don't even think that the IRS is uh, actually investigating it. I think he's just making this up to just uh, get away with not showing his taxes. That's what I really think it is. You know, so he's just being a little bitch about it. Because he doesn't want to show people that he's in the, he's got uh, um, himself in people's pocket. You know, being their little bitch while he's, while he's running for off re-election or this previous four years. He's just trying to be a little bitch. He's trying to be a little con man that he is. So, you know, it, there was really not too substantive of material when it came to the election. You know, they didn't talk anything about how they were going to improve the electoral system when it came to voting. Despite all the stuff that's going on, you know, they very little said about how McConnell has held up any kind of um, election or voting reform to make it safer from outside hacking or even domestic hacking, too. Um, nothing was said about the, the procedures that are being done to suppress people's voting, whether it's, you know, ripping up mailboxes. Or in the case of California, Republicans were caught putting up fake mail-in ballot boxes. You know, nothing was really said about it. It was just, you know, the, the quick uh, soundbite statements from both sides about what they're going to do or not do, and that was it. Um, moving on to, um, healthcare, Trump, his whole thing was, you know, I'm going to repeal the ACA and then come up with something quote unquote beautiful as a replacement. But this is what Democrats have been saying for years now. You can't repeal it and then try to go and replace it. That's not how it works. When the Democrats were, you know, in twenty in twenty ten, when they finally uh, passed the ACA, they didn't they didn't get rid of the old healthcare system first and then sit down and build a new one. They came with a plan. They came with a, a healthcare system that they built, and then it was just a matter of swapping it out. Trump and Republicans, he even admitted admitted it, they don't have a plan. They're just going to cancel the ACA and then they're going to work on something quote-unquote beautiful. Well, that's all fun and dandy. He also went and talked about uh, how the individual mandate is the worst part of the ACA and he was bragging about how he terminated it. Um, no, the the individual mandate is not a bad thing. Um, basically, what the individual mandate is is that you have to... Uh, you have to get health insurance, or if you don't qual, or if you qualify for, you know, a, a public option because you can't afford the ones that are on the market, the private market, then what will happen is there'll be the public option where you'll get, you know, Medicare, um, and you'll get help uh, paying for it. I, when I was living in New York State, I was actually that's what I did because I could not. I didn't make enough money as a, a flight instructor to be able to afford one of the uh, um, healthcare plans that were on the private market. So I had to go publicly with the public option. And yeah, it worked. You know, I mean, it wasn't anything stellar, but it met the basic needs. And I'm appreciative for uh, the New York State for working out that way and making it so that I could, uh, you know, get that coverage because even though I was a, fl- a flight instructor, Teaching people how to fly planes, 
I did not make enough to be able to handle getting my own health insurance plan because the the, the flight school I, I worked for didn't provide health insurance for their work for their employees. They didn't want to deal with that kind of a quote unquote cost. So I had to go out there and find one of my own and I couldn't afford it. But the individual mandate states that if you that you have to get insurance or you'll be charged a fee. You know? Well what really what it is is it's saying, you know, you can't mooch off the system. You know? You can't, and then this goes back to Trump and his taxes. You know, he's he's not paying in taxes, or he's paying in very little taxes, and yet he gets all the these uh, public services. You know, that's really what it is. It's like saying, hey, you know, it, a better way to look at it, it's like this this tax exemption that churches get. They don't pay taxes, and yet they still use all these services like roads, police, fire, all these things that are funded via taxes. So that's what the individual mandate is saying is that, you know, you can't skirt paying for health insurance, but then turn around and use the system. You got to pay for it or you uh, go, you know, or you go for the, uh, the public option or you get the fine. It's like driving a car. Oh, you're going to drive a car? Well, you got to have health, you got to have car insurance. If you don't, if you uh, are driving around and you don't have car insurance and you get in an accident, you're gonna get a fine. And it gets to the point now too, where a lot of states will require you to prove that you have car insurance before they will register your car, because they want to make sure that you're insured. Same, same option. So, there you go. The individual mandate makes sure that people don't try to milk the system. Kind of like what Trump's doing. $750 in federal income taxes, and yet he's living high off of, you know, quote, unquote, uh, he's actually getting high off of socialized medicine. He sits there and, and once again pulled the whole Biden wants socialized health care. No, he's made it plain many times that he's for private insurance. And yet Trump is getting socialized health care. The health care that the president and Congress, and I'm assuming even the federal justices, get is all taxpayer-funded. That's socialized medicine. So what Trump is saying is, and he, and he was sitting there bragging about how he got such great care, only in the hospital for a few days, and out, and he's feeling better than ever. He is just making a pitch, actually, for socialized health care. Because that's what he got. So, and what he's so and basically what Trump and the Republicans and even Biden and Democrats are saying is is that public health or socialized health care paid for using taxpayer money it's good for them whether they're the president or someone in Congress but it's not okay for everybody else like you and me to have for us we got to go out there and uh get health care from a private insurance company who's going to sit there and find every way to make it f profitable for them. And they're going to jack the prices and, and all the stuff that we've been seeing. You know? Yeah, sure, the ACA has afforded some regulations to kind of curb that enthusiasm on behalf of insurance companies or drug companies, but, you know, it's still nothing spectacular. It could be better, but it could be worse, like the system we had beforehand. But nothing was really mentioned about that.
Um, Biden did talk about how he wants to improve the uh, Affordable Care Act. He wants to talk about how he wants to make it easier for the government to come in and uh, negotiate to get lower prices for drugs. Or to uh, talk and negotiate with insurance companies to get lower premiums but still get better coverage. He didn't really say how that's going to work, but, I mean, that's what he's promising that will happen. Uh, he also wanted, he said he also wanted to strengthen the public option, where if you can't afford to get health insurance on your own and your company doesn't provide it to you, then, you know, Medicare for all type of thing will kind of kick in, the public option, you'll get help, you know, a subsidized type of a health health insurance, you know. As well as, you know, doing a better job of regulating the, the private insurance companies. So that's kind of the, some of the bolted points that he made. Okay, I mean, I guess it's nice that he's at least got a bolted point system to it as to what he wants to do. But, I mean, there's not too much detail there. So, you know, I wonder what, what what's actually going to be done. He also mentioned, too, that his plan, Biden Care was uh, supported by workers and unions, medical experts, and financial experts who think it's going to be saving Americans money in the long run. Uh, we'll see. It kind of depends on if you can get all those other uh, things, like I mentioned earlier, the lower drug prices, the lower premiums, stuff like that. If you can actually get that worked out, then okay, I can possibly see that happening. But otherwise, I think it's just going to be a status, you know, status quo type of a, a gig. Where, you know, that's kind of the Democrats' uh, um, kind of their, their running platform. Their, their, their core of their platform is, let's get back to the status quo of what it was like before Trump took office. Okay, well, <laughs> kind of leaves everybody else, we the people, you know, kind of out, out to dry in the cold and uh, wondering how this is going to help us. He also mentioned, too, that... Biden care, you know, his additions to the ACA will help keep people covered if they lose their job. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works too. You know, especially if people cannot afford the private insurance on their own, but now you throw in there the, uh, the COVID situation and jobs, you know, disappearing it's going to be harder for people to be able to afford that. So, I mean, might have to go to one of those things where it's Medicare for all, socialized medicine. But it just seems like uh, the establishment Dems, like Biden, really don't want to uh, put forth that effort. So, you know, I wish there was more talk about socialized health care. For starters, you know, it's it's... It works for Congress, it works for the President, so it should work for everybody else, you know. Now, granted, the biggest setback for, for socialized health care is that if you put the wrong people in charge, they're going to, you know, fuck it up. But that's what we're seeing with, and that's what we are, we are seeing that right now with Republicans. They're, they, have, they get into office and they just go and they defund stuff and they just run things into the ground and then sit there and say, see, it's not working. Well, yeah, because you, you know, you got that ball rolling. It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can't sit there and complain about something that doesn't work. 
you get an office and then you make it so that it doesn't work even more and then you turn around and complain that's not working you're kind of doing a self-fulfilling prophecy there so you know that that is a problem with the health and with healthcare being socialized if you will but at the same token you know people are in desperate need for something and last time i checked other countries like canada or the Scandinavian countries or other countries in Europe who do have a socialized healthcare plan, their citizens aren't going bankrupt because of medical costs, you know, debts that they've incurred. We're the ones that have, we're number one, you know, we're number one in, in medical costs, you know, especially in the civilized world or the Western civilized world, however you want to put it, industrial world. I don't know, however you want to sit there and say it, you know. Um, we've got the highest medical debt out of all these other industrialized world uh, countries. So we can't sit there and say that we've got a really good system that's doing a very good job for uh, we the people when a lot of us are going into debt because of it. Hell, as I've mentioned in, in other episodes, you know, we're, my wife and I were about $10,000 in, in debt. From earlier, from a medical expense earlier this year, and we had we both had our own insurance to try to cover it, and we still got slapped with ten thousand dollars in medical debt. So when we had when we both had a job and we both had insurance to help cover this, two insurance plans, we still end up with ten thousand dollars in debt. How does that? How is how can that system be a system that works for people? How can anyone think that that's a great system that we should continue to work on. The sad thing is it's better than what it was beforehand, before the ACA. That's what's really sad. But nothing is, you know, no one wants to do anything that helps we the people. They're too busy looking out for their their, their special interest uh, rich-ass donors to, you know, fund them. And so they got to sit there and, you know, get on their knees for them every chance they get to show them that they, they, they put their interests first and not our interests first. So... I don't see how this is going to help us, but here we are. Um, the next topic they talked about was the economy, although I have to admit that it did kind of devolve back towards the uh, the COVID response issue and, and uh, what each side is doing. Um, but uh, um, one thing that I noticed was... Uh, Trump was blaming the House Democrats and Pelosi, while Biden was blaming Senate, the Senate GOP people and McConnell for the, the lack of any kind of a COVID response um, for what's going on, you know. And there are some, you know, some people that are out there saying that uh, it is Pelosi and the House Democrats' fault for not... Uh, you know, working more with uh, with Trump and, and uh, the GOP. But at the same token, you know, there was there's a there's a bill, there's a, a relief bill that's been sitting on McConnell's desk in the Senate for for months since this past summer, June, July, I want to say. So what's the deal? And he's not even bringing it up, but he's got time to push through his. Uh, crazy Catholic bitch into the Supreme Court just 
a month or two before the elections, but he can't spend double that time to, to work on getting an actual stimulus package or a relief bill out there so that more money can get into our hands. I mean, they pissed away $2.2 trillion on, on corporations thinking that's going to trickle down onto us, and it didn't. They gave us measly amounts of money, $1,200 uh, one-time check, and then was like $600 uh, addition per, per uh, paycheck, if you will, for unemployment. But that's barely helping people. Then they turned around, they allowed uh, corporations to go and rape the PPP that was supposed to be for smaller businesses, you know. And on top of that, the year before, you know, all the, the tax cuts that these corporations got, the only thing they did was turn around and buy back their stocks and basically just, uh, you know, artificially inflate their bullshit without adding any kind of real value to anything. So... We're in this mess because we keep placating to the rich and the corporations and we're not helping out anybody else. The reason why places like Australia or New Zealand or Europe was able to handle it better is because instead of bailing out the corporations, they just they did the uh, universal basic income for their people. Basically, they figured, hey, you know. We'll do it. We'll give the people a UBI and help them uh, through this six months, year, whatever it may be, and they primarily focused on helping the individual person. But instead, here in the United States, we're bailing out corporations all the time, left and right, here and there, so that they could turn around and just you know, stockade the money somewhere, and still throw most of us out on the streets. So you know, this kind of attitude of just going and helping them is not going to help anything. It's just going to make it worse. But neither side really wants to talk about that. You know, they, they want to sit there and say, oh, well, you know, they're not doing this. And the other side is, well, they're not doing this either. You know, much to the Democrats' credit, Pelosi and, um, um, actually it was Pelosi, House Democrats and House Republicans did a pretty unanimous uh, passage of the... Uh, the bailout, uh, the the stimulus uh, bill that they that they they had drafted, and Pelosi's working with a Mnuchin to get this thing going, but McConnell is has been telling Trump not to do anything, just to sit on it because then if if they did anything, then uh, the Democrats will be able to use it as cannon fodder to help them win the elections. So Trump is playing party politics, and so is McConnell. And McConnell's holding up the this House bill in the Senate for months now. It's just something that needs to be done. And, you know, Trump and the Republicans are mostly to blame for this. Democrats have a little bit of, you know, blame on it as well. But the vast majority of it lies on the Republicans and Trump because they're putting party politics above what we need. And it's crashing the economy, but they don't care. Trump and and you know Trump made it all about um, blue states and red states. You know again, this is the narrative that we keep seeing. You know, and Biden even had to come out there and be like, "Hey, you know, if I become president, I'm going to be the American president, not the blue state president, not a red state president. You know, 
I'm supposed to represent everybody, people who voted for me and people who didn't vote for me. And I'm going to do what I can to help everybody. And Trump was, was this thing, you know, oh, well, you know, the House keeps passing these corrupt bills that only helps Democratic cities and help people come here illegally and all this other stuff. I mean, I, I don't know. It's If people can't understand how divisive, ignorant, and hateful that Trump is, that he's willing to start pulling this political bullshit, red versus blue, right now, and they, they still vote for him, then they're part, then everyone's part of the problem. Anyone who votes for Trump at this point is part of the problem. And only making things worse. And, to, and quite honestly, I understand why people are starting to harass Trumpanzees for wearing their MAGA hats. Because of shit like this. You know? But, uh... One thing that, uh... They did talk about on the economy, which took up the rest of the time on this quote-unquote subject area, was uh, the minimum wage, you know. And uh, Biden kept talking about how we need to raise the minimum wage upwards to 15, as well as have the government start helping local businesses, you know, small businesses, and helping them by providing them with... um, supplies and things like that so they can stay open. And what was Trump's response? He doesn't want to raise the minimum wage because he thinks it's going to cause more businesses to go out of business. You know, make it optional, but I'm not going to do it because I think it's going to make businesses or force businesses to go out of business. That has been a talking point for forever in this country. Every single time there has been any kind of worker or a union activity to get better standards in pay and in, in benefits and working conditions and working hours, all this stuff, not having to compete against children for jobs. Every single time there's been any kind of talk about giving people more money, the workers more money, the capitalist pigs like Trump sit there and complain about how it's going to ruin the economy or it's going to force companies to go out of business. Well, as FDR said, if you can't give your workers a living wage in this country, then you shouldn't be in business. And the way I say it is if if companies decide to go out of business and just close up shop because they don't want to pay their employees a livable wage, especially in the middle of a pandemic and an economy that's crashing, not just because of the pandemic, but because of the shitty economic practices and policies we've had in place for decades, if they're unwilling to give people a living wage and they want to close up shop, let them. And then we seize that property and we give it to someone who will keep the, the, uh, the company open and keep the workers there and actually give them the living wage. Or we just stop paying all these CEOs and presidents and all these other top brass assholes 400 times what the average worker gets. They're not doing any, they're not doing anything to create the value. It's all the workers. The workers are the ones that are creating the value, creating the products. They're the ones that should we should make sure that their needs are met. Instead, we think it's okay to give 
the presidents and CEOs of these companies obscene amounts of money and all these golden parachute bullshit deals. That's what the problem is. But you want to put it on the working people and saying them getting too much money is the problem? And how dare they ask for more? I thought you were for the working class, Mr. Trump. So why aren't you standing up for the working class now? Complete bullshit. On to immigration. Um, once again, you know, Trump tried to pass the buck on to Obama and Biden. I mean, he just cannot seem to, you know, not bring up, bring him up anytime he talks. Everything has to be the fault of Biden or Obama. You know, and he wasted no time in saying that this was all, uh, you know, all the fault of Obama and Biden and their presidency and vice presidency. Claiming that, well, who built the cages? Well, it doesn't matter who built the cages. It's what you've done with the cages that makes the problem. And there's been tons of documentation that's come out that this narrative of separating children from their parents, putting them in cages... And then losing them so they cannot reconnect their the parents with their children. That was a uniquely Trump and his administration policy. You can't connect that to Obama in any way. That was something that Trump and his administration and the GOP uh, sycophants have put into place. That's their policy that they decided to implement. And it has nothing to do with who built the cages, who put the cages in there. It's not who built the cages. It's what you did with those cages. But then he decided to, to take it, you know, another step and, and start basically ridiculing, you know, people from south of our border. You know, first saying that, uh, you know, most or, or all the people who've come over here with kids. They're not their parents. They're coyotes or they're from the cartels or from the gangs. And they're bringing these kids up here because they want to use that as a way to get into this country and then start wreaking havoc, you know, and killing Americans and all this stuff. And he even went to the point of, uh, you know, basically doubling down on a statement about uh, Mexicans and people south of the border calling them rapists and, and, you know, gang members and all this other stuff. So he doubled down on his bigotry, but he's not the xenophobic one. Whatever. Um, and then he tries to boast that he's done, done the best job when it comes to our immigration, saying that the kids are, are so well off under his care, you know, that they're being fed so well and all this other stuff. And it's just like, no, nah, man, no. You know, kids are being raped in these uh, concentration camps that you have going on along our border. What we've got going on along our border is an international crime against humanity. And Stephen Miller, that, that uh, white supremacist uh, balding brat, and Trump, Jeff Sessions, all these neo-fascist bitches need to be arrested, tried, and hung for their international war crimes. There, I said it. Now... 
I do like that Biden did admit that there was there were mistakes that were made when it came to how many people they were uh, deporting, even though they they deported them in families, you know. The uh, thing of it is, is that uh, Obama is known as the deporter in chief because he's he uh, deported more people than any other president, you know. So he did. So I I do appreciate that Biden stood up and said, "Hey, you know, mistakes were made, but we're learning from them. We have a better understanding of what's going on, and uh, we can better deal with this than what Trump is doing right now. So let's uh, get our act together. Let's uh, figure things out, and let's try to do the right thing." So I do appreciate that. But one thing I do want to mention too is nothing was mentioned about how our foreign policy affects immigration. Most of the our, our most of the the issues that we have with immigration right now is because of our foreign policy in Central and South America. Even if you look at Honduras, if I if I recall in Honduras, you know, going back to our our uh our coup uh, discussion where I, did, I mentioned how we didn't talk about anything about coups. Back in 2009, we did a coup in, in Honduras. We removed the, uh, the center-left uh, Social Democrat uh, Bernie Sanders-like candidate from, uh, or a, a president from uh, Honduras, and we put in a far-right idiot that's much like uh, Bolsonaro and all these other right-wing idiots that we put in throughout the years. You know, and and that's what ten years ago, and as a result, their whole thing collapsed. There, this guy was such a corrupt idiot. He clapped the system. He clapped the the the, uh, the economy there, and the whole Central America area has been kind of the the victim of American hegemony, hegemony and imperialism for for decades, going back to like the seventies. You know, and probably even before that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's gone on for at least a century where we go in there, we meddle in their shit, ruin their economy, ruin their country, and then when people flee and come here, we wonder why they are. If we would stop with this this jingoistic um, foreign policy, we wouldn't have this problem. If we actually tried to prop them up instead of tear them down, people would not want to flee their country because they would... See how well their country is, but we keep meddling in their in their affairs, and then wonder why they're fleeing. The other thing I also like too is that Biden questioned Donald Trump's uh, policy on um, people seeking asylum. He mentioned how they passed this policy that said that if you're seeking asylum, you have to do it in a country that's like one or two borders away. That is seen nowhere else in this world. That is not how asylum works. When you seek asylum, you go to the place you're seeking asylum, and then you request asylum, and then you fill and you apply all that paperwork and all that stuff. For all you Christians out there, when somebody goes and seeks asylum at a church, they don't deny them and say, "No, go to the uh, uh, the next town over, talk to them." fill in the paperwork, have them send it to us, and then we'll either accept you or deny you. That's not how it works. That, that is not how we should be treating refugees 
and asylum seekers, which, by the way, is a legal form of entry into a country as per international law, which we are bound even by our own constitution to follow because we're the ones who helped draft it as well as being a member state in the uh, international community, the UN, we have to abide by it. Our own constitution says it because it's a, a treaty of a foreign agreement that we've made. So this kind of a policy where they have to apply for asylum a couple of co- countries over, nah, that's, that's bullshit. That's Trump and his crony GOP idiots being a bunch of bigots. So I really hope that this is reversed so that people who do need help, like the asylum seekers and refugees that have been coming here, can get the help. They also talked about the DACA kids as well, you know, people who who come here when their children have no idea about what's going on back home, no idea what back home even looks like because they probably come here as infants or young kids and yet we're forcing them out to go somewhere that they've never been before. You know, there's, you know, and he even, and Biden even mentioned too, there's like what, 20,000 responders who, who, uh, who go and help people who fulfill the needs that our society has and yet we want to kick them out for it. I mean, there, there's, I think there's something fundamentally wrong about that. And for all these Christians out there, they should really rethink what it means to be a Christian when they sit there and they support someone like Trump and his hate-mongering against other people. Um, race in America, once again, it boiled down to... Uh, Trump's saying he's the least racist and he's done more for black people than anybody except for maybe uh, Abraham Lincoln. You know, he uh, talked about how, uh, you know, he's done a whole bunch with all these opportunity zones and uh, funding for uh, historically black colleges and universities. Um, That's bull. That's just propaganda. Um, If you actually go and listen to a whole bunch of... uh, um, episodes by Roland Martin. He does a really good job of describing, along with uh, deans or presidents of these black colleges and universities, and how they talk about how he he basically let the previous program expire and then turn around and uh, after there was a unanimous decision from uh, Democrats and Republicans to renew it, because it came due after 10 years, um, he took the credit for it. Even though, from what I understand, is some of these decisions, these bills that were passed, were veto-proof. So it didn't really matter if he vetoed it or not. But now he's taking the credit for it, which is pretty typical of, of Trump, you know. So, you know, oh, oh, the some of, these pilot, some of these programs that he's re- referring to got started under Bush for... I think one or two year uh, um, pilot program, you know, trial periods. And then in 2010, I think it was, uh, under Obama, they decided to make it a 10-year program. Well, it came up in 2020, came due. Um, Trump and Republicans actually let it expire. And then they turn around and they, along with uh, Republicans, or I mean Democrats, 
They reissued it, and then Trump's like, oh, look, look what I did. Well, and he didn't give them more money like he claimed. He, he's given them the same amount. And even though he, include, he increased the funding for it, he also included in more groups too. So instead of it just being for black colleges and universities, now he's expanded to include Hispanic, uh, uh, Asian, et cetera, et cetera, all these other groups into this kind of pool and then increased it that way, but he still only earmarked the same amount as before for black colleges. So nothing has really been done. You know, it's just all smoke and mirrors. Uh, of course, he tried to go after uh, uh, Biden for the 94 bill, you know, but, you know, not, Biden kind of hinted at it, but he, he never really went into detail about how. You know, a lot of people like to sit there and put the blame, the sole blame on Clinton and Biden and Democrats for, for all this. But no one ever really talks about how Nixon and Reagan were the two biggest cheerleaders for this and the Republicans in general. You know, it was Nixon who started the war on drugs and even his own uh, people in his administration admitted that he did it for racist reasons. Reagan, he, 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 like, he put this whole thing on steroids he, you know, when it came to the war on drugs and then this tough on crime um, law and bills, it was Republicans who did that and the Democrats went along with it. And then come the Clinton era, they had to show that they were just as tough too. So they had to basically uh, play catch up and, and uh, do the same thing. So that's why you see Democrats stepping in in the 90s and mirroring what the Republicans did, because Democrats, you know, especially the, the establishment Democrats, are nothing but diet Republicans. And this is one more case of it. The war on drugs and this tough on crime bill that, uh, you know, keeps being brought up. It's primarily a Republican thing, but then Democrats, to show that they've got the balls too, so to speak, they go and do the same thing. And they just kind of, you know, tit for tat type of thing. So... Trump can't really sit there and complain too much about Democrats and, and what they're doing because his own administration is not helping out at all. And their GOP has a very shitty track record as it is. So neither side has been actually really stellar when it comes to this. But the question is, is who's going to go from here forward? Because the same old, same old bullshit from the GOP and Trump? Or are we going to see Biden actually jump in and... and uh, try to take the reins and steer in a different direction. And he and Biden even mentioned, too, that, uh, you know, he admitted there's institutional racism and that we need to do work, we need to work to better this country, to, to make sure that we are constantly trying to achieve that, you know, that A grade, if you will, but that we've fallen short many times throughout our past and we're doing it now and we need to uh, keep striving to be better. I mean, and he even mentioned too, he even admitted, yeah, you know, um, the, 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 the crime bill, it was a mistake. He said that the, the drug war was a mistake. So, in a, yeah, in a way, Biden kind of, he, he took credit for uh, the mistake that is the war on drugs and these crime bills that, that popped up in the 80s and 90s. But he also mentioned too that it was both parties that were doing it. So, yeah, that's what's going on. 
But Trump, no, he couldn't. He could not uh, admit any wrong on his part or on the part of his his political party. Everything was, uh, um, the fault of uh, the Democrats. Well, we're going to cover uh, climate change and uh, the the China, North Korea, and Hunter portion, but uh, I'm coming up on my time, so I'll check in later and hopefully finish those up. We'll see you next time.